Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Da, 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 da. Uh, that's the music that signals Harold's the arrival. Harold's. That's better than signals, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. sort of a little more grandiose. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer to our program on left, right, and center. And this is a program in which we, we talk politics from partisan points of view, although sometimes they shift around, which I kind of like. I find that interesting. I would like to discuss today with you gentlemen the ongoing performance of Ontario's Liberal government, and not so much from a political point of view, but uh, Mr. McGinty seems to be moving ahead with uh, with some vigor, not 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 a not a an overabundance of vigor, but he's moving ahead to tackle a few things. He's taken on the Toronto garbage issue now; that's on the table, and and one of his ministers has said, "I will quit if they dump it in that mine." Um, the smoking thing; he's taken on what is sure to be a fairly contentious issue with smoking. Uh, he took on a contentious issue with the uh, electric electrical rates and whatnot. And again, I don't mean this to be a discussion of the Liberal Party per se, or even Dalton McGuinty per se, but here is a new politician, uh, or a politician in a new role uh, in a provincial government, t- more or less taking over the government, sort of putting his stamp on the government. And I would like to ask each of you whether you think this uh, sort of let's get some biggies out there right off the bat, which seems to be what he's doing, you think that's a sound political strategy? And Bob, I'd start with you. Well, all these policies amount to the money grab being taken right away at the beginning of his term. Mm-hmm. Uh, smoking laws there, you know, banning smoking and raising the price on cigarettes. That's a money grab. Removing the price cap without going to a free market. That's a money grab. Um, I mean, he, he came into it saying, oh, we can't do half the things we want to do because we don't have the money. Well, now he's got it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's, he's hurried that up in a quick hurry. But, uh, you know, there's always intended consequences and then the unforeseen consequences, which we will now start witnessing over the next four years. I thought it was an interesting comment that he said that he had had a meeting with Jean Charest and they had, uh, they had worked out a strategy to deal with the smuggling of cigarettes. And I thought, well, that's interesting because the RCMP had years to deal with smuggling of cigarettes and didn't seem to manage to get much of a handle on it at all. How is one meeting between two premiers going to change it's that? also a major admission that when you raise the prices that you're going to have increased smuggling. They already know that. Uh, Jeff, same question to you. What what do you think of this sort of strategy of, I think, coming out of the blocks fairly boldly? He certainly could have moved more quickly and more decisively, but he's taken on some high-profile issues. Well, uh, I guess there's this uh, famous saying, and I think it was John F. Kennedy. Was he the first one who talked about the first 100 days, you know, what he was Mm -hmm. going to do? And... uh, that the first thing I guess is that it makes sense that uh, that there are things you're going to want to get going on because you've uh, talked about them in the election and, and so on. Uh, I remember hearing somebody once say, and I can't remember who, that uh, if you want to change something as a new government coming in, you've got to have it well underway within the first year. And if you don't, then it's too late. Mm-hmm. That uh, you get bogged down in scandals, you get bogged down in the unanticipated things that Bob talked about, and it just will not happen. And uh, I remember uh, there was a premier at one time who told us we were going to have uh, beer and uh, and wine in uh, our corner stores back uh, how long ago is that now geez almost 15 years mm-hmm. ago uh, and i'm still waiting 
so I think that uh, that they have to do that. One advantage, I guess, that he's got is that I think he's got a fair number of former cabinet ministers in his cabinet. So there are some experienced people there who who you know know the way around uh, and can can wade into things. Uh, there are some things that that uh, he's also gone into that uh, aren't about collecting money. Although I guess the big uh, the big elephant in the room uh, is certainly the uh, the deficit, and he's got to uh, do something about that. Uh, and I was uh, I was worried as a somebody who's funded partly by provincial dollars uh, to hear John Manley on the weekend saying, well, you know, we came in and we slashed and burned to get rid of the uh, Tory deficit, and uh, Dalton should do the same. Uh, and so I'm just just uh, a little bit of a feel noose around my neck on that. Uh, but uh, certainly announced the Ipperwash inquiry quite quickly. Uh, in in my uh, area of endeavor, uh, there's a test case going on around welfare fraud that uh, one of the things the Tories did was uh, announced a lifetime ban if you're convicted of welfare fraud or uh, social assistance fraud as a disabled person. Uh, that test case has now been adjourned until the spring. Um, and uh, reading between the lines, I'm not not part of that case, but reading between the lines, I think that there's a signal that the uh, that the uh, Liberals are likely to repeal that law, and I believe they announced that they were going to do that as part of their campaign platform, uh, although I, I, I'm embarrassed Liberal at this point. I've tried to go back and find their platform on their website, and I can't find it. I, I, there's a broad overview, but there's not a detailed... I, I have a copy here. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about the, uh, the, one of the issues that you just raised, or the, the, the Georgia inquiry. And uh, some people have suggested that this perhaps is a, has not been a, uh, a a good move on the part of the premier because it's sort of a nobody wins whatever happens uh, scenario. Although his party may win some points with some people for having inaugurated a more com complex investigation, but the, the the line of argument I'm playing devil's advocate here for a moment. The people who are concerned about this, some of them say, well, here's the deal. Um, the, the only thing that can result out of this, a couple things can result. They can embarrass Mike Harris more than he has been already about this. They can embarrass the OPP to for what purpose, nobody's quite sure. Um, they can embarrass the George family, and they can embarrass the natives at Ipperwash, depending on what comes out. You know, if it turns out they did have guns, did they have a gun? Well, then, whoa, what does that do? Or the OPP really did act outrageously, or Mike Harris did, in fact, give orders and so on. None of which is likely to be proven anyway. None of the above are, li are they likely to find enough proof for. Some people have said that they just don't understand. Why is he bothering to do that at all? And either of you have any insights as to why he would open what certainly appears to be a can of worms? Well, uh, as it happens, Ipperwash is kind of an interest of mine. I've followed it pretty closely over the years. I think the main reason is because Jerry Phillips asked him to. And uh, Jerry Phillips is a senior cabinet minister, a very respected MPP from London originally. And uh, Ipperwash was a pet interest of his these last eight years. So he had pushed hard for uh, for an inquiry uh, in opposition for years and uh, had, had always said, you know, if we get into government, we're going to do one. As far as the inquiry, I don't think what comes out of it really matters at all. Uh, I think that what matters is doing something. And what was most troubling for me about what the Tories were doing over the last eight years was that they wouldn't do anything. And but they had a they had a trial. The the Ken Dean was uh, tried and sentenced. And yeah, that wasn't the Tories. That had nothing to do with that. Uh, I know, but uh, but, <laughs> but but you know, the uh, guilt was assigned. Uh, uh, blame was assessed. Penalties were assessed. Where we are right now is that there's an occupation ongoing at the provincial park, and there's, uh, of course, there's been an agreement to turn over the army base, and and it's confusing sometimes to try and keep them separate. Uh, that the army base was the one that was expropriated by the government in 1942, the federal government, and never had anything to do with the province at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, the federal government has agreed to hand it back, but the the provincial park. 
uh, was land that was sold by the band uh, in a deal back in, uh, I think it was in the 20s. Uh, and I remember Justice Colleen, the senior, senior regional justice here, uh, dealt with a case because the uh, band had, had sued to try and get uh, this back. And uh, he said that the deal had about it the odor of moral failure. It's one of those <laughs> phrases I can't, can never forget. But he said it wasn't sufficient to vitiate the contract that uh, the deal stood. He said even though there was evidence of corruption and bribery and so on. Uh, but So anyway, the, the provincial park is a completely different issue. And it's still <coughs> occupied today. Uh, you know, land values are still horrible there. So today. are you are you looking then to this, to, to this uh, inquiry to provide some sort of re resolution to the land claim I element of it? Yeah, I think, it'll, and, and it actually is not a land claim in relation to the park either, that uh, people may not understand that, but uh, the... the it's a land dispute. No, uh, the, the dispute at the provincial park is about a burial site that was identified when they first created the park, and uh, there's a guy named Wilford Jury, who was an archaeologist mm -hmm. from Western, who uh, identified uh, a, a, a native burial site. And the government of the day, the Tory government of the day, said that they would uh, would uh, put a fence around it and mark it. And that didn't happen for whatever reason. And that's what the occupation was about in the first place. Now, it's now probably more about Dudley George than it was about that. But the original thing was just that. And uh, my thing is that... The, the, in fact, I wrote to David Young when he was the Attorney General saying, you've got to get doing something here. You know, this is it's in stasis. We've got people like Ben Veal who, who have cottages that are worth nothing because, uh, you know, of this uh, situation that's just festering. And he said, well, we're not going to talk to them until they leave the park and come talk to us. And it's like, well, that's pretty petulant. That's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, Robert, again, same question to you. Uh, well, I think... Is this, is, this, is, this, is this a mistake on McGinty's part? Is he opening old wounds? We, we won't know that until we can talk about it in hindsight. Um, right now, I see the only potential gain for him in terms of having this inquiry is to make the, the PCs look bad. Because even a good government can look bad if you can throw the right questions at them in the right forum where mm -hmm. everybody's forced to hear it. So it's sort of a dog and pony show to a degree because nothing can really be resolved out of it. And that, I think, is a trend that you don't want to get into, which is having a new government come in and start an inquiry to criticize the old government. That's just something that smacks of a third world country to me. Uh, that, uh, you know, obviously they disagree about things, but they shouldn't just be going after the the previous guy because now they can. You know, there's an interesting comment made, uh, I don't know if either of you fellows have read Steve Pakin's new book uh, called The Dark Side. It's about the price that you pay f to be in politics. And, and he makes the point in there that politics is almost unique. There may be some other ones. Almost unique in professions in that uh, the, one of the ways to advance your own business is to is to not only run down your competitors, but to point out all of your competitors' failings in the same areas in which you work. And he, he says it's kind of analogous to, uh, to uh, uh, WestJet advertising, and in their advertising they put information about crashes that Air Canada <laughs> has had in order to promote their own. And he says, you look around, where else in the world do we do that? So we just, we don't do that. If you, if two of you are sort of in the same general uh, kind of business, you're, you're, you're looking to serve the same kind of general uh, uh, clientele, it, it usually doesn't work very well. So yeah, well, but business know. doesn't compete for votes. Business competes for service. Yeah, and so they all see each other in the same light, and what can hurt one can hurt the other. But Whereas in politics, but it's the opposite. No, I don't think so, though. It does hurt the others. Every time a politician slags another politician, I think it demeans all of them in the eyes of the voter. Um, I think you're right. That depends on how it's done. Negative advertising works. It depends on what you are negative advertising about. When you start picking on someone's uh, eating habits, uh, sexual lifestyle, things like that, that's where people start drawing lines. But if you're picking on the policy on which the government's 
direction is going to go in. If you're picking on that government's performance as a government and sticking to the ideas and the policies and not the personalities as much, unless there's a real clear personality issue, um, negative advertising works, and every advertiser will tell you that. We're going to pause for just a moment. We have some positive advertising coming your way, and then we'll be back. More left, right, and center with Schlemmer and Metz on Talk of the Town here on News Talk 1290 CJBK. This is News Talk 1290 CJBK. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us. We've been talking just sort of generally about a variety of political things. And Jeffrey, you just during the break uh, uh, scooped me on what my next topic was going to be. I just want to ask you guys, not so much in terms of names, although if you have any names you'd like to offer, that would be fine, but a lot of talk in Ottawa now that uh, the date has been set for Martin to take over. He's assembling his cabinet. There's been a lot of talk about that cabinet. Uh, story in one of the papers, I think it was the Post, suggesting that all of the big players will be gone, uh, the Manleys, the Cops, the uh, Rocks, all of these people will be gone, will not be in a Paul Martin cabinet. Uh, also, he's made it quite clear that he wants to have a smaller cabinet, and yet, as I've said on the program, and been saying for a couple of years now, he's made promises from one end of the country to the other. Uh, we don't know what he's promised people for the support that he got, but something has happened out there. It's going to be tough for him, I suspect, to put together a cabinet uh, that isn't going to tick off a whole lot of people who aren't in it. And I'd just sort of like to get your thoughts on that, Bob. Jim, I have absolutely no thoughts on that subject. I, it just absolutely doesn't interest me. I don't see the government being a big change in government to me at all. It's just government as usual, and the players all get in, they fill their little spots, and they mm -hmm. do their liberal thing. Um... I've heard some talk of Martin himself being more of a deal maker with, uh, you know, with, with the provincial leaders and mm -hmm. issues of, on that nature. But who he's going to appoint to his inner cabinet? Boy, I couldn't even hazard. So a you guess. don't think it matters who's in there? Um, the big, the the big red machine continues to roll along. That's pretty much how I see it. Yeah. Jeff, you're a little closer to the party per se. Uh, do you think it much matters who sits in what chair? Well, I think it, it will matter. Uh, certainly, we'll see a different direction in government. Now, it won't be a sea change. It'll be a matter of degree, I think. But certainly, the the conventional wisdom is that Paul has been the leader of the the right wing of the party, if you like. Uh, but where's the vision? There's no vision there. Nothing. Uh, nobody has any vision. Well, that's why, well, I, just, that's why I don't well, care. Smalls and small eyes. <laughs> but I think it's about time that Joe Fontana gets into cabinet, because he's been around forever, and uh, certainly he's been um, chair of uh, caucus uh, repeatedly. Mm -hmm. He's no friend of Chrétien, and he's a good friend of Paul Martin. Uh, very but Joe, Joe is Joe's held up by some people as the, as the archetypical example of why Martin is going to have trouble. That here's a guy who's been a, a, a dead serious loyalist for 10 years to this guy uh, certainly has made no no secret really of his opposition to Gretchen for the last number of years he's been openly a Paul Martin supporter uh, uh, outspokenly uh, he's a representative of a, of a significant uh, uh, minority immigrant minority in this country uh, being Italian uh, he's an eloquent guy in his own way um, you know sort of a man of the people's sort of a guy got a lot of positive things you would think and yet, there are people who say, you know, well, yeah, but we're going to have an Italian in the in the cabinet. We're going to get somebody from Toronto, not London. So that works against him. And he's been around a long time. He's kind of a war horse. So he's, he's no, you know, not new vision. If Martin wants to get across his side, and I'm not knocking Joe. This is just what people are saying. Uh, it's, you know, it's, there's no new vision there. If Martin wants to create this issue of a new vision, then he's maybe going to look for somebody a little younger, et cetera, et cetera. 
And a number of people I've spoken to is kind of looking at Joe as sort of the acid test. If Joe, if Joe gets in the cabinet, which many people believe he deserves, uh, it'll say one thing about Martin. But if he doesn't, it, it's going to highlight some of the difficulties that Martin's going to have putting the cabinet together. Oh, sure. And he certainly needs somebody from this region, although, again, he's got a ton of Ontario MPs, and uh, he would like to be seen as reaching out to the West, I guess. Uh, so there's going to be more pressure to have fewer ministers from Ontario, I would think. But uh, no, I think that that will be a good acid test. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen Paul Martin speak many times, and he talks an extremely good sh uh, story. Uh, he, to me, he's the classic uh, liberal in the sense, you know, they say that we uh, we campaign from the left and govern from the right. And uh, that's been consistent with everything that I've seen him do. Uh, as you well, say, that question, sounds like he's a liar, then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you this, and we'll do that. And gee, that, you know what? That's consistent with the, of the track people record of the like Liberal it, Party. But people like it. Well, that's what they want. They want to be given platitudes. They want to be told all these sort of, you know, we're going to look be touchy feely and look after everybody uh, to get elected. But once elected, they want you to, you know, uh, run a tight ship and, uh, you know, keep uh, d deficits at bay and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we'll see. Now he's a very smart guy, you know, and he's and he's a very accomplished guy. So uh, certainly, if anybody can do it, I think it's him. But uh, no, he certainly has has extraordinary expectations built up, uh, you know. And my like I'm. I'm not from the right wing of the party, no question about that. So I'm sort of sitting back and going, well, we'll see. We'll see what this guy is like. Uh, having said that, I think he's somebody who's pretty electable, uh, unless he does something extremely embarrassing uh, that uh, for the foreseeable future... This is amazing. You're, you're a member of a party that you support, and you don't even know what the new leader stands for, yeah, well, what he like represents, what direction he's going as, to as, go as in. As was explained and to me when I joined the party, so the Liberal Party is <laughs> like your family, that. and, the, and uh, that there are some people okay. in your family you have spats with from time to time, and some you just can't stand, but they're still your family, and you get into this for the long haul. And and that's very true, you know, when I first uh, joined the party, it was like the toss-up between them and the NDP, I could have easily gone either way, and uh, the, the, the deciding uh, thing was a friend of mine said, uh, you know, we need reinforcements on the left in this party, so we need lefties in the party, so I was like, well, okay. But having said that, uh, you you know, I disagree with half the things at least that that party does, uh, and certainly there are all kinds of things that happen that, I don't, that don't interest me, uh, that I'm not heavily involved in, uh, although I'm on the writing uh, executive and all that kind of stuff. But having said that, for the long haul, broadly speaking, is Canada seem to be the kind of place I like to live in? Eh, it seems to be. Interesting article in the paper, one of the papers today, about Martin saying the fun's over. That is, he's already had as much fun as he's going to have because now he has to deliver. He's he's yeah. been in this sort of this floating around on this white puffy cloud. Prince, everybody's savior. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, there's certainly a tremendous expectation on the parts of, of Canadians that he didn't create by himself. I mean, that's something we're all you know everybody's sitting here waiting for the Messiah to come mm -hmm. along, mm -hmm. and when they discover once again <laughs> there are no such things. Uh, you, you just wait four or five years from now. What are we going to be saying about this guy? Well, that leads me to my last question today. And, Bob, you, you set it up very nicely. Thank you for that. <laughs> Do you think... I have this little theory that Paul Martin is either going to be successful beyond the norm for Canadian prime ministers, or by the time the next election rolls around, he's going to be reviled as the man who let us down. And my theory is based on... I, I believe that's why Brian Mulroney was kicked out. I think Brian Mulroney was kicked out because people felt a sense of betrayal, a sense of disappointment that here's a guy with such promise. He was a businessman. He was going to put us on a sound business footing. He was going to run this country the way it should be run. And he didn't do that and got turfed. And, and, and I suspect that 
Martin could end up the same way. If he can't deliver big time on these expectations, I think Canadians will turn on him. I just wonder what you folks think well, about that. It boils down to that axiom, it's the economy, stupid. You know, that's what it boils down to. Uh, and if we see our economy expanding and getting better over the next few years, it won't matter what Martin does while he's in power. Mm -hmm. If you see the economy get worse, it won't matter what Martin does while he's in power. We'll hate him. <laughs> but I think sure. you're right that he, he's somebody who's, who's very accomplished and he's a, he's a hero in the uh, kind of Greek sense of the word. And, you know, we, we, the Greeks love to see their heroes fall. Mm -hmm. That was very entertaining for them. And, you know, you see somebody who's way smarter than I am, you know, way harder worker than I am, way more accomplished than I'll ever be. And, yeah, he'll either be somebody I'll, I'll believe in, but if he lets me down, boy, I'm just going to be all over him. That'll be it. The disillusionment uh, will uh, will crush him. So, uh, they're high stakes, and he's ridden for high stakes his whole life, and God bless him. I hope it works. Gentlemen, thank both of you for coming in today. It's always a pleasure, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us, our regular guests on Left, Right, and Center.